Welcome, welcome, guys, to the Off-White Pod. This is the third episode where the Off-White Boys, I'm David, hardest host, darker than most, and today I've got with me my boy Vic, the most gas guy who never tells lies. How are you doing, bro? Not too bad, mate. We had a week off. Let's get back to it. Good, good end of the year kind of podcast coming up, so looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. We're going to touch on a few topics today, hopefully if we've got time, but mainly focusing on uh, COVID and how it's affected the BAME community. Uh, And we thought it's only right to get uh, one of our good mates from uni. Um, He's the first guest ever we're going to have on the pod. (laughs) He's Mr. Baba Tunde. How are you doing, bro? Uh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. The off-white boys. It's an honour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're buzzing to have our first guest. So uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, history in the making here. Do you want to uh, just tell the people who are listening a bit about yourself, about, um, you know, your social media presence that you're trying to build? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, again, thanks for having me on the forecast. But, yeah as, as, yeah, as you said... Um, well, I'm Tunde, no, no off-white boys, Vic and Dave from uni. Um, so yeah, at the moment, I'm basically, um, just like you, Dave, just starting my journey as a pharmacist. Um, cur- currently just sharing sharing a journey online, trying to build build my online presence. Just trying to do as many things as possible at the moment and you know, see, where, see where everything takes me. Yeah, yeah, I read it, I read it, mate. You know, I watch all your videos on YouTube talking about uh, different stuff. You talk a bit about finance, a bit about, you know, life as a pharmacist as well. You do have some interesting stuff. So I definitely recommend anyone who is potentially interested in that kind of stuff to uh, definitely check out Tunde. So obviously, Tunde, you're the first guest. You're the first non-off-white boy we're having on the pod officially. So I've got to ask you the first question. Obviously, actually, tell the people uh, your your background first, your ethnicity at the moment. So to put the question into context. So I'm English born, but Nigerian heritage. My um, guy, but... my guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is going to be the tradition going forward for all future guests we have as well. Um, you might have had time to think about it because I know you have listened to our podcast. So um, if you could choose any of an ethnicity, any of a culture to be part of, apart from, uh, you know, Nigerian, uh, who, what, what uh, culture would you pick and why? Culture, mm. why? See, I've listened to the podcast, but it's a surprise to me anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I knew you'd forget. Um, it's a tough to question. Be fair, I, I think I'd go. I think I'd go like South South Asian, probably. I say like Indian, Sri Lankan. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I, I just why, know they got that? a good. Right, they got the good foods. They got the good values, and so, yeah, I, I think I could. I think I could. I think I could chill there. Yeah, yeah, that's calm. Yeah, so they can handle the spice. Can they can handle the spice? That's you know what I mean. Yeah, years of training. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's mad. I was. I'm very surprised by that. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Interesting. Interesting. So. We're going to move into the uh, the crux of the conversation here. So as everyone is aware, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, has been a virus, a pandemic, a issue for 
life-changing life-changing problem for the last nine months and it's only right to include it in the year wrap up as you know one of the main topics but obviously as all of us being part of the BAME community, it's interesting to just have a little bit of a deep dive into, you know, the issues around it, the, uh, especially the way it's been uh, portrayed in the media, because I thought I'd, we'd segue into the, uh, the initiating of the conversation through a conversation I had with my mum. And it was, I think it was like mid-July before the, you know, the whole, BAME research and all that um, uh, stuff was even, you know, uh, published. And my mum was uh, asking me, like, um, like why, wh- what are they saying about, like, COVID and BAME? Like, why is this such a, such a thing? Like, the whole idea of BAME was just created then. So I had to do my own research at, uh, research at the time to even speak to her, to be like, okay, let me just, like, look into this, because surely it's not just... Yeah. It has to be more than if you're from Africa, if you're from Asia, you're going to have more likely risk of having COVID. So before I share my research or anything on, on that, what, what were, I want to see what, what were your guys thinking? Do you remember the, you know, the initial of hearing that? Did you feel any, like, um, were you scared or affected thinking you were at a higher risk than, you know, the, uh, the, the white British uh, population? I didn't personally, to be fair, maybe just, yeah, I think maybe more worried about grandparents and stuff because of their health issues, like my uh, granddad's a diabetic and stuff. So it was kind of more from that side. In relation to BAME, though, I didn't really have, you know, a worry that, you know, I was more likely to get it because of my ethnicity or whatever. So so no, to be honest, in essence. What about you, Tunde? So it's been a bit weird for me. Like, I think I've gone in, like, two separate parts Um throughout this kind of pandemic so like initially um before like we started working like in hospitals um I, I felt like quite sheltered from it really you know when you just stay in yeah. your own house you kind of just like think oh this pandemic's happening but I'm not leaving my house and like I feel quite quite safe from it and didn't take too much of the notice of it I yeah. couldn't leave the house but apart from that I felt quite like sheltered from the pandemic mm, yeah. until and until like I've actually started working in the hospital and like you see the amount of people coming in with COVID at the moment and like what it could actually do to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I'm like now I'm feeling like a lot more like apprehensive about like getting the virus and definitely more um aware of it and like scared of pretty much of like getting it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. That is very true. I think I share your views there as well, uh Tunde, because I think in um especially you know we got sent home from uni early uh, and then we were just revising get ready for the exam so the, the covid wasn't really at the forefront of my mind at that time I had much more bigger stresses to worry about as you can imagine so like even going to work nowadays is it, it, it is definitely you can see the effects it's had on the public as well because um especially because i'm in community and hospital so people coming in with masks and stuff but for my own protection um i did find it interesting when i was uh reading just to see like am i am i actually at risk like me as an individual not just being part of the bame and i read on the public yeah. health england's um 
There's the paper they released. I don't know if either of you two have read it. It was called Understanding the Impact of COVID on Bain Groups. And that was just basically a review on the wider literature to identify the inequalities that exist on how COVID affects BAME groups compared to white to white British population. So yeah. when I was reading that, um, I found it quite interesting in the sense where it was they've used BAME, which is, I suppose it makes sense, but it's actually like all the comorbidities that come along with um, that's prevalent in the BAME, you know, the population, like, you know, um, diabetes, obesity, all that. So when I was right. reading, as I was reading all this through, literally the crux of the, you know, the increased risks is all these conditions. So then I thought initially, um, before I get into my next thought, I'd ask you guys on, do you think that alone is a good umbrella to put them stuff in because if I remember, I feel like in America they definitely put more emphasis on the conditions than the group. Do you know what? I'm not sure because I always because so I went, when the lockdown stuff happened, I ended up getting a job at Tesco as a temp, mm. and I was kind of like under the thought of like, well, I'm not older. Or I, and I haven't got any like underlying health issues, so I'm I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. And like you'd see staff at Tesco like taking like the holidays then, so they would avoid working because they were in the risk group or they couldn't come into work, etc. So I was always under the impression of being conditions rather than groups. But it's interesting you saying that because I've not I've actually not heard much of it. So I'm interested to see what's gonna happen. But yeah, that's what that's what I thought. What about you, Tinder? So yeah, no, it is, it is definitely true. As in, like the, the like the BAME community does have like I wouldn't say a problem, but is much more likely to have like a lot of these conditions, like uncontrolled diabetes, um, yeah, obesity, just like the like our average diet and stuff is high oil, high fat, and like, yeah. you know we like to, yeah. we like to eat, we yeah. like to eat. So yeah. I definitely think it is like a contributing factor to. Um, increasing our risk to COVID but there's also just like so many other factors that you have to like consider in um, someone's risk. This COVID pandemic has it like underlined like some institutional racism in society that mm. um, has just been kind of brought out of the shadows due to this pandemic. Yeah yeah yeah. Oh see, interesting. See because but, it's, it's it's actually sick you said that point in there because in the in the segue. <laughs> yeah in the actual paper they said COVID-19 did not create health inequalities but rather the pandemic exposed and exacerbated long-standing inequalities affecting BAME groups in the UK so as you said that oh. clearly highlights that there's always been this inequalities when it comes to you know healthcare and uh, people's uh, view on healthcare they said the BAME community and low-income uh, people are the most at risk basically saying that BAME community is more likely to have a lower income so that means if, uh, from from the off they're already more likely to be exposed to the virus if they're working day to day that also on top of that means they're more likely to get on public transport on top of that it also means yeah. uh, they're less likely to have gone to uni so they have to have lower entry jobs they also have a worse diet based on, you know, healthy eating lifestyle costs a lot more than, you know, kebabs and takeaways and fast food all, all, all the time. So this has always been the case, regardless of 
you know, COVID coming along. So in the paper, they were saying that it's highlighted the need for, you know, targeted um, educational like programs to that educate people from a younger age to know exactly what a healthy lifestyle is. So I was thinking to you, yeah. for you, would you say that you feel you you had that at school or do you think it was just something you because I for me I'd say I developed it when I just got to uni like I started to get interested in the gym eating but I don't think it was actually like told to you as oh if you're from these um backgrounds you likely to have this kind of diet so you need to actually be aware maybe tell your parents to cook this not cook that like we never got that did we no I didn't I, I don't I don't remember at school I remember they're doing the um they'd have posters around I did food tech for GCSE of the uh, another balanced plate of like yeah, yeah. the macro you should be hitting every day and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, but nothing, it wasn't really plugged. We had like PSHC and stuff. I don't, I can't really remember to be honest if it was like taught to us like to, to, to maintain a good healthy diet because of, you know, you could develop underlying health issues and things. But nah, and even at home, it was like, yeah, try and eat healthy, but it wasn't pushed or anything, to be completely honest. But, okay. you know, because the, the food at home would mainly be, like, freshly cooked anyway. But, like, like Tunde was saying, like, oils, fats, butters, you know what I mean, Indian diet a lot of the time, and even if not. So I think it's definitely become more of a thing in society later on anyway. I feel like there's been a huge, in the last decade, of, like, healthy eating, going to the gym. It's more of, like... A, a lifestyle kind of thing now yeah. than it was like in the in the first decade of the century so i think in in general people are thinking more about that now but when we were younger i don't think it was pushed as much but i think the, the key point i've took away from what you've said is that um the coronavirus has highlighted these issues rather than been a reason for it so it's just yeah. highlighted the fact that for you know bam communities we should look at like healthier options in food as an example of how to like avoid this and but the one thing that is a bit sad or whatever you want to call it is the fact that people are just have a lower income so to, to to get a job and to you know be a part of the economy and society they have to travel on public transport things like that so therefore they don't really have a choice but to be exposed and the fact that when I was working at Tesco before there was there was a shortage of masks but we didn't know that we were told by Boris just wash your hands you don't need to wear a mask. And then as soon as they got the mask, like, okay, everyone needs to wear a mask now in public and things like that. So I think that's where communities, BAME communities as well have been let down, I think, um, when things could have been prevented. Probably a lot of people got it, you know, there's been uh, deaths in my family related to this and stuff like that. So it, it definitely has affected it. That's what, that's what I take on it anyway. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's quite easy to get into like, quite like a tough cycle, like, um, with like not having not having like the resources and money um like for us I feel like we've had like quite a good hand like we're not like we're not rich by any means but um we're not just scraping by someone someone like living in a family who's like literally barely earning like enough money to survive they're they're gonna need to, they won't be able to like self-isolate and stay inside the house they're gonna need to go and yeah. work to get some money yeah. um yeah and it's like they won't they won't have the money to eat healthily. It's like a cheap food. You can get a like a ninety-nine P cheeseburger from McDonald's. But to yeah. get uh to get some salad from like um, even Lidl is gonna be a few pounds. Like yeah. it's it's cheaper to eat unhealthily. And if Definitely. if the community who are like are struggling, um and you don't have a lot of money, they're gonna find it very hard to like maintain like a more healthy lifestyle, like to go to the gym and stuff, they won't have the money for that. So 
um, that's where you kind of get into like the government that how much how much government help um, do do people need? That's like the whole debate is are people happy to become more of like a socialist society or a capitalist society? But um, but I guess that's another that's another another conversation for a different day. But, yeah, yeah. It was um yeah, it's very interesting points raised by you both. Uh, I agree with them both completely and very fair. Um, there was another bit of the. Uh, the, the paper that caught my eye and it was uh, this statement that I'll just read and then ask you guys for your opinion on it. So it says, historic racism and poor, poorer experiences of healthcare or at work mean that individuals in BAME groups are less likely to seek care when needed or as NHS staff are less likely to speak up when they have concerns about PPE or risk. And I thought when I read that, I was like, that is mad. And it's mad that this review just happens and this is what it's been like before COVID. Like, so the, it, there was a lot of evidence to say that historic racism was affecting the BAME groups in, that worked in the NHS. So they felt uncomfortable that they could even, they, didn't, they just didn't really believe in the system and places that their, their concerns would be taken seriously. Tunde, uh, what, what do you think of that? As obviously you're in the hospital, I don't know if you have any. Yeah, right. If you have anything, any uh, personal stories, or you've seen anything that would back that up, or um, in in hospital, as in the hospital I'm in, is like the the area I'm in is a very like ethically like diverse area. Mm. So you see like a lot of the hospitals like black, brown, um, and like I'd, I'd say there's probably a higher majority. There's a majority of people on white are BAME in the hospital. Me personally, if I didn't have the PPE. Um, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to speak up in the hospital I'm at, um, because I just think I think the culture there's the culture there is from what I've experienced so far is quite good, and I'd be happy to be like, oh, I don't have this PPE, so I'm not doing, um, like not doing this task. Um, but when when I say, but I do think it's true that um, like the BAME community have definitely become have started to distrust like the system. Um, and I wouldn't say it's just healthcare. I'd say it's like a lot of like government-led activities, like police, um, healthcare. Just that like police and healthcare. I'd say the main two. Yeah. Um, One of the points you raised uh, was the mistrust in like the maybe government or who are making decisions on COVID and stuff. Things interesting that I think maybe from my experience anyway. I think the lack of trust comes from maybe not seeing enough BAME representatives in these people making decisions. So in cabinet ministers and things that we see pretty Patel and Rishi Sunak and stuff and, you know, where maybe I'm from, well, me and Dave are from or even where you're from, Tunde. So I think the mistrust comes in not being able to relate to those people making those decisions. That's where it comes from. And also relating back to your point, Dave, I think for me anyway, in the Indian community, we kind of just have like a get on with it attitude where it's like, when I was a kid, you hurt yourself. It's like, oh, you'll be all right. Just get on with it. And then it's like, you won't notice that there's something wrong until it's like, it's quite bad. And that's yeah. when you might see like going to the hospital or something like that. So I think that's where it might come from, to be honest. That's literally in the in the uh, paper, they literally touched on that and said how um, the main issue that uh, uh, plagues the BIM community is that 
um, that initial point of getting tests or initial points of, you know, yeah. seeking, seeking, you know, a bit of uh, healthcare or advice. Like, as you said, it's based on that mentality of they're not yeah. going to, they're not going to check it until it's like properly serious. So it's like, Oh, you probably got a cold, you got this. And then you've, they've been living with two weeks with Corona or whatever, seeing the family coughing, this is that they just think it's a cough. Yeah. But then it's spread yeah. and it's just like that. And it's interesting. You said that uh, Sunday about the lack of trust. And this is, a direct quote from the paper and it was racial discrimination experienced by BAME key workers and BAME communities leading to a lack of trust in the NHS services. They are reluctant to seek care in a timely manner. BAME key workers are less likely to trust the staff team to raise concerns about healthcare risk. So I just thought that was an interesting talking point for the uh, for the podcast. And oh, I actually just thought of a little side, little last comment then also. Obviously, we've uh, turned you over to relate to this. And there was a petition going around about how we're even trained as a, as a healthcare professionals. And there was, I think it was a Kawasaki disease or something that I saw. And I wouldn't like okay. how we're like the system is literally built for you to identify you know um signs and symptoms based on a white british population and we might be able to miss you know uh big indicators because we were even trained to be able to identify some uh, diseases on you know brown or black or you know different uh, pigmented skin and that so that also again is part of the issue where we need to educate the people given the care as well to be able to identify you know at risk groups of, of uh, certain conditions as well yeah so i think the the another big topic a more recent one you know britain is brexit has been done uh, we've finally signed a trade deal with the EU, maybe not the best trade deal, um, but still it's one there. So, you know, that could be a win for, for uh, Boris. But overall, is it good or bad for the UK uh, Brexit? Tunde, you can go first on this one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a Brexit fan at all. Um, it still annoys me, as in I was just, I wasn't able to vote in the first one. I still- oh, Really? Who was well, I was seventeen when in, in in the first one, yeah, because since I'm August baby, um, <laughs> so I couldn't even vote in the first one. But the as in I think there were just so many lies told even um, in the advertising. I, I, I don't know how even legal is it really. Um, I feel so they they really they really sold people dreams, and yeah. I think people are starting to realize now that um, they're trying to they're trying to spin it as a win, but like it's really not been very beneficial to the country at all. Um, but again, there's something that's happened and I guess we're just going to have to make the most of it. Um, so we'll see, we'll yeah. see what happens, but it's, it's, it's yeah. very annoying. I can't lie. I agree. Dev. Well, you know me and politics, not the, uh, I ain't got the best knowledge on it, but uh, I'm interested to see what it means for me in my career, to be honest. I'm pretty much a, a me person. I'm not sure what the effect <laughs> I'm not sure the effect it will have on the uh, wider population. Obviously, it will be interesting to see, like, in, what, five years' time, are we in a better place than we were before the uh, referendum to uh, to leave? Um, from what I've, what I've read about the trade deal, doesn't sound great, doesn't sound that beneficial to us. But, again, if there... I imagine there is some sort of long-term plan to build on you know, 
sorting out the economy, sorting out immigration, all this kind of stuff, like the whole things that were driving Brexit in the first place. So I know it's not going to be an overnight thing, so I just have to see what happens there, mate. Hopefully in five years' yeah. time, the pod's still rolling and we can discuss it again, mate. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I think, yeah, definitely. I reiterate what you were saying, both. Um, hope I think there's always opportunity in anything that happens for people, businesses, etc. So hopefully it makes our market more competitive, like they said, and things like that. And maybe there will be more money in the long term for the NHS and things like that. But yeah. we'll see what happens. But a major thing that happened this year was uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so question, was it effective or not? And is it now more of like a, we got asked this, is it more of like a social media thing, like just to, to push it for for people feel good about themselves, that they're supporting something, or is it actually having an effect on communities to help out? What do you think about that? So, yeah, I, I would say that the Black Lives Matter movement was, I think it was needed, to be honest, um, to, just, to just highlight a lot of things that like kind of just get brushed under the surface um, yeah. with across not even just like the UK no, it was like the movement was across across the world mm. um, but like what if I think now what has actually changed because of it um, not not really not much has it's like well I don't really know too much that has actually changed um, but but then you have to think that if there's a, an issue that's deep as like Fertilise Matt was trying to like address other things it's not really an overnight it's not really an overnight thing I think it'll take like many years and like change of like generations mindset um to how people like interacting together like living together um to like change change like the situation because like if you the way I think about it is you kind of like grow up in an area and then you kind of you make friends and you interact with people like in in your area and at the moment I still say that people growing up like very segregated you know you have like white neighborhoods you have like black neighborhoods asian neighborhoods it's like everyone everyone's just kind of like in their own little bubble kind of like in how they're living yeah. um, and i feel like those bubbles those bubbles kind of need to break to um so everyone can like properly interact from like a young age um yeah. for a lot yeah. of time yeah. so you grow up with people from other cultures and you are you understand the way they think, the way they behave, the way and the way that they act yeah. um, from young, um, and then I think that's I think that's going to be the way um, for like racism to be like reduced and eliminated. But it's got I feel like it's got like a long way, a long way to go till it actually does. Yeah, hundred percent. I'd agree with that. Um, the only thing I'd say is I feel like it it was definitely needed. There was uh, it, it started many conversations off. Um, it was I think it was getting to a breaking point with you yeah. know the, especially for what it for what it was in response to which was pol- uh, police brutality. It was one hundred percent effective in that sense. It's highlighted it. It's not it's not even it, there's no grey area now. Everyone can see it. Everyone admits it happens. Yeah. Um, I'd say that it's also it has also sparked you know the defund the police, which uh, marketing is horrible because obviously as soon as you hear it, you think it's like get rid of the police, but actually they yeah. just want you to they want to re- reallocate funds to other sectors so then the police don't have to deal with you know uh, going up and getting someone's cat or something. Apparently that's what they do in America, like they're so stretched, so they they they're having to deal with situations where they're not trained for so. Um, it's affecting their day-to-day on, um, you know, good training when it comes to the high-pressure scenarios where 
they are having to, you know, potentially deal with armed or unarmed, you know, uh, members of the public. So that's why it, it's been going wrong. So I definitely think um, Black Lives Matter has been good. Uh, it's definitely going to carry over into a few more years. And um, I do think there will be a replacement movement. There, the organisation just has to die with it as well. But I think I think it's gonna it's gonna there's going to be the next Colin Kaepernick. There's going to be the next leader or something that steps up. There's going to be it just always happens with these kind of movements. History has shown. I don't know where it's coming from, but this I'm sure by this time next year there'll be another you know um, spearhead to the movement. Yeah, uh, just following on from what you guys have said, I just hope that it it's not cyclical and it's you yeah, moving yeah. forward. Yeah, I yeah. hope that it's um, there isn't another Colin Kaepernick because there shouldn't have to be another Colin Kaepernick. I hope that yeah, we, with yeah. people like Kamal Harris that are going into power, hopefully they can make changes and I hope that there's more representation of being people. So people who can make decisions to to improve the lives of uh, BAME and communities and at all communities. Um, hopefully it's like more of an improvement overall. Um, so the last kind of point out for the, for the podcast uh, this week um, is kind of any predictions we've got for 2021. We can come back to this uh, to see how right and wrong we were. Um, but any predictions, we'll start off with the coronavirus, the vaccine, what in, in the year's time, for next year, how do you think that's going to play out, Dave? Well, you can go first. How do you think the, the vaccine is going to play out? What's going to happen? Oh, yeah, that's a decent question, right? Um, I honestly think Corona is going to be as on as prevalent until September again. Like, I just I feel like the the virus um, within nine months is mutated again. They've got a second wave of it already. So I don't think, and the vaccine that was just released wasn't even made for this new strain. So if I'm adding another nine months off, just, you know, based off history, do a little bit of quick maths there and that. Um, <laughs> the vaccine, look, um, my guess is good as yours at the moment. Um, hope, hope people get it. I hope it's effective. I think everyone wants it to be effective, but classic, you know, BAME group, everyone's got their conspiracies. Like my mum's already been like, all this, all this. It's like, it's like what what do you know? What are you basing this on? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you get what I mean? And what's that group? So. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just, it's interesting. I just, I just pray to God we can have a summer next year. That's my main priority. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Tunde, do you want to say anything on that one? Any predictions regarding COVID next year? How the vaccine? Yeah. To be fair, it's it's not a great prediction because I just don't. I don't think. I don't think. Um, I don't think COVID will be gone in a year. To be honest, because um, I think my mum said this to me the other day. I think the Spanish flu. Um, you know, like what, 19, early 1900s, that lasted yeah, yeah. a good three years, apparently. Yeah. Um, so I just don't think I can see this lasting for quite a while, I can't lie. Mm, um, yeah. especially, if, especially if they're saying that um, this virus is like mutating. So they're saying that there's that more like effective um, strain around at the moment. But yeah, I, I think we're I think we're in it for in it for the long haul. To be honest, um. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my prediction is that the only thing I've got to say onto that is that um, 
I think there's going to be another national lockdown pretty soon. That's that's the only thing I'm going to say on that. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, last, I just wanted to say any predictions for Brexit and how that's going to affect. I'll start. I think initially people are going to be uh, maybe negative towards it. I think there's going to be a realisation. I saw a video actually the day of the news and it was a guy who owned a business who said, well, I voted for Brexit, but... I didn't know it was going to mean losing my job or my business. So if I could vote again, I wouldn't. So then I was like, oh, you know, people obviously regret and, and hopefully, but I'd say this time next year we'll have better deals. Hopefully we can sort of good trade deal out with America as well. I think that would be quite good for us. Um, and that's it. Is that anyone got any predictions for, for how Brexit can affect us next year? Cool, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do... I do think um, I think it's going to be more negative than positive. I think people didn't yeah. know what they were voting for. Uh, as you said, I, I, I watched that clip as well. It just I think people people had one idea or one aspect that they they were they believed that Brexit would solve, but didn't think of all the other problems that have come with it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's going to be a big eye opener for some people. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, that's been the podcast this week. I just want to say thank you, Tunde, for coming on and uh, helping us wrap up this year with this podcast. Uh, we're looking forward to bringing uh, more podcasts, more new content uh, into the new year. Um, so make sure you follow Tunde on the socials. Uh, Tunde, do you want to quickly tell everyone where they can find you on, online and stuff? Oh, yeah, so follow me follow me on YouTube, uh, Tunde Pratt, and on Instagram, so it's babatunde.pratt. Perfect. Like, follow, subscribe, follow on Insta. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Thanks for the support this year. Uh, obviously, we started this year. We've got you know good following now. We want to keep it going on. Uh, so yeah, that's been the Off White Boys featuring Tunde. Uh, see you in the new year. Peace.